Welcome to the Spirit Sisters podcast. My name is Karina Machado and I'm the author of Spirit Sisters, Women's True Stories of the Paranormal. In this podcast, I'll revisit the women behind my most unforgettable stories and unearth new tales to chill, intrigue, astound and offer hope. You'll hear first-hand accounts of ghostly visitors, near-death experiences, premonitions, hauntings and love more powerful than death. Whatever you believe about the afterlife, I invite you to open your minds and hearts as ordinary women reveal their extraordinary encounters. Hello and welcome to Spirit Sisters, the podcast. Apologies for the delay in publishing this latest episode. I was caught up, believe it or not, in launching a second podcast. My goodness, <laughs> it's called The Ghost Files and it debuts Monday, July 29. If you have a chance to listen, I'd love to hear your feedback. But for now, back to Spirit Sisters, the podcast, and I'm so excited to have a wonderful lineup of guests coming up on the show. Starting today with Alison, a psychologist from New South Wales who has some fascinating experiences to share. Alison has worked in the health industry for more than 25 years, initially starting out as a herbalist in private practice and then moving into the field of psychology, working as a counselling psychologist for 10 years. Alison is a qualified Gestalt therapist and currently works as a business mentor for women studying their MBA. A mother of four adult children, Alison is a calm, sensitive and intelligent woman who now works with her husband developing storytelling videos. Alison tells me that the experiences she's had have absolutely enriched her life. I know that listening to them enriched mine too. I especially marvelled at a mystical moment of connection that saw her experience a range of lives across a wide gamut of time frames and environments, one of them not even human. I don't think I've ever heard anything like this, so listen out for that one. Here now is my conversation with Alison. If you're interested in more information on the authors and teachings she mentions, I've included links in the show notes. Thank you so much, Alison, for joining us on the Spirit Sisters podcast. It's wonderful to have you on today. Oh, thank you very much, Karina. It's lovely to be here. It's great. And I was um, thrilled when you told me you'd recently read Spirit Sisters and that you'd actually drawn quite a bit out of it. And I think you said you especially liked some of the theories and possibilities, explanations that I'd gone into. Yeah, I think so. At the, at the, in sort of the earlier part of the book, you'd explained or you'd, you'd referenced quite a few sort of research areas that um, where people had postured theories around what our experiences might, how they might be explained, how we might get to those points and in life, you know, whether we've had a near-death experience or just some trauma in our mm. lives and, um, you know, what might trigger the um, the sort of the, the beginning process yeah. of, I guess, having some some sort of spiritual experiences that others seem to not have. And I remember during our earlier chat, you mentioned that idea of what, what triggers, like that particularly interesting you, this idea of what triggers an experience. And let's maybe talk a little bit more about that because your own experiences, the, the bulk of them, I believe, were triggered in your early 30s, Alison, is that right? Yeah, that's, that's correct. Yeah, my early 30s where I was, um, I guess, you know, I was four young children and busy and 
hectic lifestyle, but I was also very much exploring some alternative, uh, I guess, or maybe holistic is perhaps a better word, holistic counselling and approaches to to helping people resolve their issues and, and things like that. So I, I touched on uh, Gestalt therapy, mm. but, I, but I also uh, had experience with holotropic breathwork, which was really quite profound. That was probably the time when a lot of it was, was triggered. If we can just backtrack a little bit to, to the experiences that you had, sort of the key experiences which happened when you were um, delving into the, and this is a word I, I find hard to pronounce, gestalt? Gest- um, <laughs> gestalt. Gestalt therapy. <laughs> tell, tell us again, please, for the listeners, what actually is gestalt therapy? Well, it, it is definitely a holistic uh, approach to uh, to working with somebody. It originated back in the in the states from oh, I think it was in the fifties. So post post war came from you know a German couple and uh, some other people in uh, in sort of a, a Jewish community as well in the, in the states, and they they developed these ideas that whole is greater than the sum of its part, and and um, and they developed ways of working with people to help them overcome uh, what they called a fixed gestalt, with like a, a stuck point okay. somewhere in your in your life, in your journey, in your emotional makeup, perhaps that that where you were stuck or fixed on something. But I mean, it, it goes beyond that. It, it's and it's very much working um, with well, like I mentioned about the a figure and a, and a ground. Yes. So you know, in that way and. We work experimentally with people, so really embodying, you know, aspects of what they're experiencing, rather than rather than getting the logical mind in the way, using sort of maybe more the right side of the brain to to tap into to your experiences on a, on a you know on a physical level, and um, and give them a voice and 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 learn to express that what's actually going on and um it's i find it it's a really powerful very powerful therapy and and it's always my my go-to if i was working with someone has it been your experience that employing this therapy might um, spark a spiritual or a mystical experience in the client and is that what happened to you um i don't know that that oh maybe it maybe it could there's certainly a catharsis during therapy for an, an awareness and an increased awareness and that's, okay. that's obviously the aim but um, I don't know if it if it triggered that for me but it certainly uh, nurtured that okay. in, within me so it was certainly you know I, I'm, I'm quite sure that um, Gestalt is, is a, a spiritual therapy it is, it is definitely a, a type of therapy that that honors the spirit of the person and um, and accepts that and includes that it's quite an inclusive approach to um to counseling someone i just love the idea of that you know to (laughs) to honor the spirit so tell us a little bit please Alison, about what kinds of experiences you did begin to have at this time in your life in your 30s that caused you to think there's a greater possibility for life outside of our physical senses yeah okay um i think Probably, probably just prior to, to like, like my late twenties, maybe around the twenty-eight. That that famous figure, that lucky 
lucky uh, 28-year-old woman with two children. And uh, but I'd lost my I'd lost my mother when I was 21. Oh. And I think that I'd done some and having children brought up issues for me around about mothering and parenting and 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 being being a child being an, um, a mum and I sought some help with a, a colleague of mine and she used gestalt therapy with me at that point and that opened up for me I think that idea that I could probably have some connection with my mother the mother who had passed and and so from there I I, I I went on to um, to seek out a, a clairvoyant, which I probably had never really thought about doing before. I don't okay, think. it just hadn't been something that had been in my awareness, and um, and so I, I pursued that, and that was really confronting, but also very relieving for me because mm. I did get a chance to connect with my with my mum, and or, or her spirit, and and I found that very reassuring, and that has lasted with me since then so I've it's actually really helped me in that grieving process okay yeah and psychologically within with that grieving process so that kind of kicked me off so it was kind of chill, having children and, yes. and pushing pushing those buttons for me that sent me on that path a little bit more and then this same colleague offered to um for me to join her with the holotropic breathwork ah. exercises and um, and those were, were phenomenal experiences that that we we had um, at a retreat, or that I, I personally had, but I know everybody everybody did who who partook in it. That that opened up a whole lot of understanding of of the world and um, the universe and the the size of our part in that. And mm. you know, I started to read more around. You know, I read the Edgar Case Primer and things like that, and I started to read more around, you know, the size of the universe, the enormity of it, of the, the different entities, and yeah. So I guess I was my interest was sparked, and so I, I explored more. Yeah. And so let's backtrack a little bit because I think you touched on so many interesting things there. So firstly, could you please define for our listeners holotropic? Yeah. Um, yes. What is that? Yeah, that's it's a. It's a way, it's a transformational psychology. It, it, it fits into that category. So there's different fields of, of psychology. You know, it's, it, this is a, a transformational uh, therapy, if you like. And it, it involved um, a particular breathing style, which, which was quite intense. And it, um, it also required a lot of uh, a very loud music oh. that was guided, like music which, which guided your experience. And that was to deliberately chosen as well um, because it was a particular theme, and you would we 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 took turns. So someone would be breathing, doing the exercise breathing, while another, I had another partner who would be the support person, and so they would just make sure that everything was okay while you were going through this experience. But it was originally came came from um, uh, Stan Groff from ah, yes. states and and his work. Which I think originally his work was on LSD research. He he had come from that background. So, in a way, it's uh, the breath work is a lot is like going on a trip, but you don't have the the chemicals in your body. You don't have the LSD. It's remarkable. What, what you actually do is you hyperventilate. So you change the, or you alter the level of oxygen and carbon dioxide in your in your bloodstream, and that 
it has an, a, a, like a hallucinogenic sort of effect on you. So oh, wow. you, um, you know, so as long as you keep the breathing pattern going, you'll stay experiencing this. So, okay, um, so I wonder if, because I remember when we chatted um, earlier, you told me a little bit about the, um, the, the trip, if you like, that you, you had and yeah. it sounded absolutely marvellous. Could you recount, like take us back into that moment if you could. So what did yeah. you see? Where did you go? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I think my, my first breath work was, um, was pretty spectacular from, from my perspective. Um, I, I hadn't known anything quite like it before. While I knew I was in the room and breathing and there were other people in the room doing the same thing and I could hear the music, but at the same time I had several, there was sort of like several layers of consciousness. So I, I, I had consciousness that I was there, but at the same time I was traveling throughout the universe oh. and experiencing different, different, different eras, different times in, in humanity's existence um it was it was quite bizarre and i i had no expectations of that prior to starting but but some of my journey i was i was flying through space some i was i was in the ocean i was i i was a whale at some point Mm. and then i was giving birth to live young as a as a whale Uh, that was that was really beautiful a beautiful experience but um most of them were, were quite beautiful experiences some not. One of them, I was uh, at, at some point. I was um, obviously on, on a stake. I was being burnt as a witch. My goodness! Uh, on a stake in front of a, a crowd of people, and they were they were throwing, you know, rotten tomatoes and food. And I could, I was tied up, and I was sort of struggling, saying, "No, no, no! Like you, I'm not. I'm not what you think I am. Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not. A, I'm not a witch." But obviously that was the era and, um, and that was my experience. But what was really interesting for me was I had this experience of, of resisting and then I had this amazing warm rush come over me of, of compassion and I, I thought they don't understand. They don't know and they don't understand and it's okay. It's all right. They, the people here don't understand what, who I am and, and what, what's going on. So, um, so I, I felt this wash of, of forgiveness, which was a really strange, unexpected experience for me. That's amazing. Um, and obviously, you know, you think of Christ on the cross, like, forgive them, they know not what they do. It's almost that experience that you had. It was almost that experience. And that, yeah. those were the sort of uh, words that were coming to me. Maybe yes. they came to me afterwards. I'm not sure if that was actually during the experience, but it was you know, forgive them for they know not what they do. And I, and I felt it. I like, I, my body felt the forgiveness wash over and it was a beautiful experience. Oh. And then it, was, it no longer was a, an issue that I was burning alive at the stake. <laughs> I love how you laugh. <laughs> but, um, and what's particularly fascinating about um, the experiences and the eras that you, you visited, you weren't just sort of seeing this as a bird's eye view. You were in there. You were in there as the woman yes. being burnt at the stake. You were there as the whale in the ocean giving birth, and and other places as well, other um, time yeah. time frames yeah, as did. well. Yeah, which, I, which was, I was in. I was in ancient Egypt, and I was a mummy. I, I had been mummified, and I was I was lying in a in a like those little narrow canoes, and the well, I could say maybe like the priest or something was standing 
on the on, like beside the river, or the yeah the flowing water. He was standing beside it with the staff, and I, I'd sort of, you know, I'd maybe seen that in my you know earlier years, you know, when you learnt ancient Egypt stuff at yeah. school, and that, you know, so I, I knew where I was. I got I had my sense of place there, and uh, and there was a little triangular window that the 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 craft I was on was floating towards. So I was I was drifting out on this on this river, and we went. I went through the the triangle, and into complete whiteness. The entire so no sensation, no no sky, no ground, no boat, no nothing. It was just everything com, completely white and um, and peaceful. It was just yeah. But I didn't see anything there. I didn't do anything there. I just. Yeah transition through that from being the mummy through to you know so I assume that's the river stick so mm. <laughs> I didn't know that at the time but um you know I, I I read up a little bit about things afterwards to see if well, I could make sense of what I'd experienced that's so interest intriguing and I think I didn't know whether to say interesting or intriguing it's both and it's amazing that in that in that experience there that particular one with the mummy you were inside a being who supposedly had no life, so who was dead, obviously. It's a mummy. Yes. So that's yes. really interesting. I've never heard of a story like that. And tell me what, you're, what you think about that. But to me, the first thing that comes to mind is, well, there's really, you know, the veil between life and death is, is only something that we impose here in the physical and that your experience might, you know, have been to show you that. I don't know. I what so. do you think? Is that yeah. what you think, Alison? Yeah, no, that is, that is what I think, you know, and that was helping helping me to understand that um, that there, there is more. There is um, a world beyond what we physically see and, and hear. And, um, and, yeah, and that was just, that's a transition for souls. That's, that, that was what I got out of that. And were, when you were having all these experiences, do you have a sense that that was all occurring simultaneously? Or did, do you remember, well, first I was, I remember being the whale, then I remember being the, the mummy or yeah. how did that yeah, work? Yeah, there was, there was a little bit of a process, uh, like a process I went through. So very much my experiences were linear in, in terms of uh, one after the other, after the other, after okay. the other. And it, it was quite hectic. The pace was, I felt was quite hectic. I, I kept moving, you know, one minute I'm burning at the stake and the next minute I'm lying in a, in a boat floating out on a river. Mm. So it was really, really quite quick, quick succession. But I do believe that the, it, with the the style or the approach that the holotropic breathwork takes, I, I do believe the music had a, an influence on where I went and what my experiences were. Really, because sort of further on into the experience, I I heard uh, sort of the rhythm sticks of the indigenous people, and I and it instantly brought me to um, a, a corroboree setting. You know where I was I was sitting. On the on the dust, and there was a there was a some sort of ceremony. There was around the fire. There was dancing, and um, and the, the the sticks being beaten, and and so I obviously my my mind connected the music and put me into that into that sort of space. You know, oh, okay. Why it did that, I don't know, but that it did, and that was really quite a. It was a that was actually a, quite a beautiful experience because I was actually. Sitting there, I was sitting naked on this red on the red dust, and I was menstruating. But ah. at the same time, the as my my blood was going into the earth, the earth was within my uterus. 
was just inside me and oh. I had this very overwhelming experience of I'm home. I was I was grounded. I felt home. I felt at peace. I was, yeah, it was, it was quite amazing. That is amazing. I want to just, yeah, that is just amazing. And when you say that you had the experience of you sitting naked on the red earth, was that you as you are now? Was it your physical yeah. being? Yeah, I think it was. Okay. More, so, more so me, me now, yeah, okay. sitting on the So really, you know, a pale skin, quite an outsider sitting <laughs> In that setting, but uh, I didn't think about that at the time. (laughs) And did you get a sense that the other people around you, the Indigenous people around you, were communicating with you, were aware of you sitting there or they were? Yeah, I think so. And uh, I was part of this ceremony of some sort. I don't know what it was, but, um, yeah, I was part of it. Perhaps if I knew more about the Indigenous culture and the the ceremonies and, and what they would I would possibly understand that a little bit more, you know, the meaning behind yeah. that sort of a um, an experience. But, oh, yeah, it's so profound, isn't it? It's so incredibly yeah. profound. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And when you were experiencing being the witch, being burnt at the stake, did you experience that as yourself, physical Alison? Or yeah, yeah, you yeah, did. I did. Okay. Yeah, I did. And maybe. Yeah. Maybe as the mummy as well too. I, I I hadn't really thought about that. So yeah, I think possibly it was me as I see myself now, uh, but in all those different life situations and, and experiences in in those different times. Processing this later, did you get a sense of this perhaps being some kind of past life remembrance, or did you more get a, a sense of um, the experiences? working in unison to deliver a message that we're all one that we're all part of each other what do you th- how did you yeah process? Not, I didn't I didn't see it as, as past life okay um, okay but I but I did see it as more that uh, the Jungian sort of um, uh, understanding of a collective consciousness okay and I, and I think that m- more so I was tapping into the human consciousness or the consciousness of being part of the earth and and it was giving me knowledge and understanding of different different aspects of that um so yeah so so you're definitely not not a past life i didn't get that sense it was past life at all okay alison could you please just sum up um for our listeners uh jung's theory of collective consciousness i think well that's um that's a big ask but i'll (laughs) I'll give you i'll give you my version yes Um, please (laughs) i'll give you my version it's there's a universal consciousness or a knowledge bank if you like that all all people are able to tap into uh, across the history of of humanity and it, it helps to explain why there are pyramids on different continents in in eras where there was no travel where it wasn't possible to, to travel from different to different continents, yet peoples of, of different cultures and, and completely isolated came to the same unique structure on their own mm-hmm. at the same time, so or, or similar time frame. So it, it explains those sort of those sort of situations. It also explains things like my bird migration and why birds know when to migrate to a different part of the world and you know, I'm sure science has other explanations for that, but yeah. it's it's a way of looking at that as well. So there's a there's a like a knowledge bank, if you like, we we have access access to. And it, from your experiences, I get the sense that this knowledge bank isn't um, restricted to 
humanity as a species. It incorporates right. nature and the earth and the animal world as well. Everything. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, everything. So tell me a little bit more as well. So we've talked about the different eras that you travel to in this experience with the breathwork. What about your travels in the universe and the galaxies? What did you see there? I didn't I didn't spend a lot of time there. I I think I just knew I was in outer space. There were stars and things around me and it was just completely black around those lit objects. So it was like being a star, I guess, mm. you know, just being an element of that, you know, of the expansiveness of wow. the universe. So it was it was quite brief, but yeah, I didn't actually experience and much as a human, I guess, in that. Just more just the enormity of the universe. That was my sort of overriding experience with that. And did you also get a sense that the universe was in you and you in the universe as with the earth prior? No, not so much. Okay. Not so much, although that would have been interesting. Yeah, in in, in retrospectively that, that possibly happened, but I can't recall experiencing that now. It's been some years since I was... In my early thirties, <laughs> so um, I'm trying to stretch back to those times. But I do, I did have a similar experience when I was in the ocean. That I was part of the ocean and I was at one with the ocean. And how did that feel like? Like what when you were going through that? What did that feel like to you? Yeah, that I mean, that was a real weightlessness experience of, of well, you know, no gravity, I guess, and yeah. and and a beautiful peacefulness and. And weightlessness of, of being in the in the ocean and, and the, the sort of the um, the fluidity of, of your movements were not restricted. You know, it was just it was just free to free to go wherever. Yeah, that was lovely. So when you finished this session with the breath work and you woke woke up, you probably you weren't asleep. But how did you how did you process what you'd just experienced? What did you feel like? What did you think about it all? <laughs> Uh, I was I was probably dumbstruck I think and we after after the breath work there's a a process that they take you through where you um, you draw a mandala you you try and capture in some form uh, your experience in in a, in a picture form in, in a you know with crayons and, and whatever we had access to so that was to help and we did a group work where we shared our experiences with others in the group got to understand that everybody actually had quite different experiences. Um, I think uh, quite a few of the people had done uh, some of this breath work prior to that that one day. So their, their experiences were, were different. I, I did a subsequent one in, at the end of that week uh, and I had a completely different experience. The, the second time I did it, I experienced feeling quite cold and like, really quite quite chilled and cold and all I, all I could see when I, I didn't move anywhere, I didn't think I travelled anywhere. I just experienced complete, like rest and uh, all complete whiteness. Everything was white, in my experience. Everything was white. It wasn't until after the session that that session had ended that the um, the facilitator asked me what what had happened, what was going on for me, and I said I, I felt a little bit disappointed. <laughs> I said, oh, I didn't really go anywhere or, or do anything because last time was such a, a huge experience. And uh, I said, I think I just slept. I think I just lay here and slept and I was quite cold. And he said, when when you had your eyes closed and, and you thought you were sleeping, did you see black? 
like you were sleeping or did you see white? And I said, oh, no, it was white. He said, that's not sleeping. That's a really deep state of meditation. And he said, you're very lucky to have experienced that. It takes people um, many, many, many years of, of deep meditation practice to achieve that sort of experience. He said, you've had a taste of it. That's fortunate indeed. I, um, I've been meditating for some years now, but I don't, my sessions don't last that long. I'm more of a regular meditator, but you know, they're, they're quite, I guess the maximum would be half an hour, but I've never yeah. really experienced anything notable. <laughs> it's restful, it's wonderful, and I understand yes. the benefits and they're accumulative I, because I feel it if I don't do it. But um, but I've never I've never had anything like that. No, no, no. That, well, I have it either again. But um, that was yeah. that was my second experience with breath work. So okay. so I think everybody has different experiences depending on what they need at the time. And yeah. and I know I had four young children, so I was probably exhausted. Oh yeah. And um, and I assume that you know at some level it was decided that I needed to rest <laughs> so yes I like rest so, actually rest is a so, good thing <laughs> yeah so I rested <laughs> that's great and so I'm getting a sense that these experiences with the breath work sort of kicked off um, some some other spiritual mystical experiences that you went on to have some with seeing you know what could be what you thought were disc discarnate um, spirits I think Alison yeah yeah, yeah. so what yeah, do I you think, think so. what do you think was the next thing that happened after that in this sort of opening to this world I did a few other things I I went along to a, a kundalini awakening which was just to awaken the the kundalini energy in your in your body um through the chakras um and that that rattled me quite a bit I had to um I couldn't ground myself much after that so I had to get a little bit of help to Re reconnect myself with the earth. I kind of wow. found myself floating a bit after that experiment. I, I find that I'm actually I'm quite a sensitive person, but I'm also um, I'm very open. I'm willing to explore. I'm an adventurous, I suppose, willing yeah. to explore. And I so when a, a new experience is offered to me, I I seem to be able to benefit from that. I oh, seem to wow. be able to to do that. So. And that can be across any modality at all. I've, I've had herbs made up for me, herbal medicine mixture made up for me that was really, really just chamomile and oats and it had a profound effect on me. So, really? So, what happened when you had that? Yeah. Well, I just, uh, just you know, other spiritual experiences and things, but I, I think I was ready ready for it. And, and so, you know, I, I remember asking the herbalist that did it, I said, what did you put in my herbs? Because I currently was at that point, I was a herbalist okay, as well, and okay. I said, "What did you put in the mix?" Because I said, "You know, I'm all over the place." And uh, he said, "Chamomile and oats." Wow. And I said, "Well, there you go." So obviously, you know, if you if you're open and you're ready to experience whatever may come, then um, then it comes. <laughs> yes, and it's less to do with the exterior trigger than with what you're yes. ready to receive. Well, that's right. Yeah. And I had an experience, I think that was probably the first time I think I'd dreamt, I'd ever dreamt out of uh, my own time frame. Oh, so you what know, did like, you dream? Yeah, um, it probably wasn't a good dream actually, but I, I dreamt that I was um, a young girl and I, it was, I was quite... Poor. It was it was in an alleyway, and I was playing. I was in ragged clothes, and I was playing like a hopscotch or something on the on the cobblestones. Okay. Bare feet, and I think it was cold and and everything. And then I remember seeing there was a 
like a figure came at the end of the alleyway and I don't think it was it was a good outcome for oh. for for that little girl. Um, wow. So I don't know whether that was past life. I'm not right. sure. But that um, that would have been that that life. I think ended at about seven or eight years old. Right. That was so. That was the first time I'd had that sort of an experience. That's fascinating. Um, so did you get a sense that you were in England at that time? At, at sort of I, I could have been Victorian or, or, times or something like that. Yeah, it could have been. It could have been that sort of time frame. Okay. Yeah. And I'd never had that sort of a dream or experience mm. before, but I had been, you know, I had done, I'd opened myself up to, yeah. you know, to, to spiritual work and um, to different energies and I, and I guess, yeah, that's what happened. Yeah, so, so um, again, whether you're, whether it's past life or whether you're tapping into the collective consciousness again as with the prior experience, so that's you're, right. you're not, not entirely sure, but it almost seems like it doesn't matter. Yeah, that's it's, right. Yeah. Actually, just, just on that point, I think it's collective unconscious. The collective unconscious, not, okay. I think um, just when you said that, I thought, oh, hang on, I think it's the collective unconscious that they refer to it. So it's not necessarily something that's in our consciousness. Right, but, I see. But it is, it is at a different level of our consciousness it's there and yep. we can tap into it. We can tap Sorry. into it. Yeah, no, yep. that's fascinating. Okay, so that happened and then you did mention earlier that you had had an experience with a woman who you were counselling, I think, who said to you, you can see dead people. <laughs> what yeah, what right. happened then? Yeah, um, yeah, that was strange. This woman was um, a palm reader and uh, it was meant to be our last session and instead of me counselling her, she said, no, 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 it's my turn to, uh, to do something for you here. And she grabbed my hand and, um, and started to read my palm. She looked at me, she looked at my palm, she looked at me again and said, you see dead people. And I said, oh, oh, that's, um, that's an unusual thing to say <laughs> to somebody. And I said, really? She, she spoke about it quite comfortably, obviously, and... Uh, she she was surprised that I I didn't have um, a real sort of uh, conscious grasp of that. Yeah. I you know I, I guess I knew I'd had experiences, but I didn't I hadn't really articulated it. Um, it wasn't sitting in my awareness, you know, as such. But once she said that, I realised what she was referring to, and that's because um, I'd been doing yoga, and at the end of the yoga classes, the the second part of the yoga class was a a meditative state where we would do the alternate nostril breathing and and things like that and and the instruction was to look into the back of your eyelids mm -hmm. when you were when you were like concentrate on the back of your eyelids mm -hmm. and then do this these breathing routines and patterns and it was when I did that that I would see a see a stream of faces moving across like a like a movie reel across my vision and I didn't know what what that was and I know that when I tried to focus on a particular face or, or say, you know, or when I think when I engaged my, my left brain or mm -hmm. my left hemisphere brain and, and asked what, who are you and, and, and what do you want, everything disappeared. Right. So my left brain cut off, I think, what my right brain was allowing me to, to experience okay. and to see. I think that that was probably the first time that I realised when this woman said it that that was my experience. That, that helped to explain it, I guess. And so, then, so um, the people that you were seeing stream across your, the back of your eyelids, they were mostly strangers or all strangers? Yeah, mostly they were, all, they were strangers. Um, the only, the only recognisable face was my mum, who I knew had passed. And so I figured, well, that's, 
they maybe they, all these people must be spirits because right. mum, mum's there, you yeah. know. And but she she actually didn't move. Um, she stayed as a constant in the top left corner of my my vision, and all the rest sort of streamed past. Okay. Just and they were, you know, men, women, children, all all walks of life. It didn't matter. It was just and they just flew past fairly fairly rapidly. I could. You know, I could barely make it. I couldn't really make out features as such. Like I just could see that there were sometimes there were men and women, and sometimes they were small. So I figured they must have been children. And this so, happened after your experiences with the breath work. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. So there is a real sense that this experience with the breath work, this extraordinary traveling into other dimensions and eras, was in a way the spark that lit the rest of your, you know, mystical spiritual experiences. To, to a great extent, yes. Yes, okay. Yeah. Although, actually, when I um, when I read your book, Spirit Sisters, and you talked about um, near death experiences and and um, that that could have been a, a trigger, um, it made me recall an experience I did with in, during Gestalt training oh, yeah. with another colleague, and we had to work with each other, um, and we had to run through. I can't remember now what our directions were, but we had to run through three three sessions with each other. And on one of my sessions, I remembered or recalled for some reason when I was um, when I was a very young child. I don't know how I remembered that. I was I think I was quite young. I know I was told that I was sick when I was very young, but I didn't have memory of it mm, as such. Mm. But with the Gestalt work, I was shown. Um, well, I I saw it myself. I, I saw myself as a as a very young child. I might have only been one, or oh. I think I could walk. I think I could walk. So maybe I was a two, you know, a two year yeah. old or something like that. And I, I had um, very bad bronchitis. But I do remember Mum saying to me that the doctor had to come and see me. Okay. But when I did this exercise with my Gestalt colleague, I could see myself lying on on the on the lounge. I wasn't in the bed. I was on the lounge in the lounge room of my house when I when I was my my childhood home, and um, and I remembered my experience was. I think this is all a bit too much. What? I don't think I'm. I don't think I want to stay here. I. I had, yeah, I think I had an experience there where I, I had to make a choice oh. and I was like, oh, I don't know. And then I, and I, I think I was aware that mum was really upset and distressed mm. and then I thought, oh, maybe I, maybe I should hang around. Maybe I should, I'll stay, I'll, I'll, I'll try and, and um, I'll stay here, you know. So it was a really weird experience. That's extraordinary. <laughs> but I don't know. I don't know why I remembered that uh, doing this um, counselling session with a colleague. So, um, but I could remember as as, as as if it was you know a normal part of my childhood and a memory that I had. So, but prior to that, I didn't have that awareness. I didn't know that 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 was my experience. And maybe because I was so small, I wouldn't have told anybody that oh. I that I've had. Bad. Oh so, no, you wouldn't have, and and it wouldn't have been in your awareness. It's amazing that it came back to you in that moment. Yeah, yeah. So a ba baby NDE. You were a baby when you yeah. had your NDE. <laughs> yeah, so perhaps that was the case, but I didn't know that really yeah. until you until I read it in your book, and I thought, ah, maybe maybe that's maybe what's happened, and and originally yes. triggered me, you know, yes. right back from then. 
yeah. then I was just um, I've just sort of known myself to be quite intuitive and sensitive, but oh. but that's that's probably it really. That's very interesting. It's almost quite a gift too to see yourself at that age as a baby. What it's yeah. quite beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, and then to to think, oh well I won't I Oh look mum's upset. I think I better come back, you know. I think but, I better stay. That's um <laughs> that's a common theme within NDEs, as you know I love oh, reading it? about yeah. near death experiences and often what the um, the impetus is for the person to return is often just love, you know, love for the person being left behind. The the matter of choice is present in some near-death experiences and not in others. But oh, okay. where, where there is a choice, very often the person says, oh, they think of their family left behind or if it's a mother, you know, she thinks of her children a lot of the time and then they come back for that. And that there's a sense that that's permitted and that's almost the point of the exercise. If you, yeah, that's the sense yeah. that I get, you know. Yeah, as a reader okay. at reading who loves as a person who loves reading about near death experiences but um there were other some other very intriguing experiences that you had Alison that I thought I would draw out a little more sure so sure. there was there was a time where you saw well you've seen a few spirits as in hauntings seen. tell us about that that's right oh that that's that comes back to that session with the of the counselling session that I had. Oh yes. Um, yeah. yeah, that's right. I, I had had um, previously had seen sort of what I thought was some sort of a, a spirit when I was meditating, and I was I had practiced on practiced opening up my chakras and allowing white light to come through my crown chakra, and then subsequent to that, some hours later, I was asleep and I saw a figure uh, just standing there where I had been. Um, practicing that meditation mm. so um, that was certainly um, that was frightening but that was probably the first time I'd actually seen you know a, a spirit right there in front of me sort of just at the end of my bed and was and it I a was, man or a woman or I think it was a, a man but I couldn't make out any features okay as such but it, it looked it, for some reason I thought it was a, a male um, spirit and and didn't move didn't do anything or say anything nothing at all okay and interestingly I just fell straight back to sleep. So <laughs> I was very frightened at the time and then next minute it was morning and I thought, well, there you go. I can't have been too frightened if I fell back to sleep. That so. is interesting and, you know, having interviewed so many people who've had experiences like that over the years, it's it's a theme. They often just turn around and go back to sleep and that's yeah. really, very intriguing to me because I wonder... Does that hint at the fact that, you know, these experiences are just a part of being human and that when they are truly happening, we, we're okay with it? I don't know, but, okay. but then I, I speak do. to other people who are, you know, who are afraid or they throw the covers over their head. That's another common reaction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, I did have a subsequent one which was more, fright, was more frightening, which is I'd been counselling a lady who had, was quite troubled and had some addiction problems but she was also delving into the spirit world, and I'm I'm not sure that it was necessarily into the a positive, right. a positive way. And during that session, I had been a little confrontational with her because I, I was challenging some of the things that she was she was presenting to me. And um, I know that at the time she didn't appreciate that she right. didn't like the fact that I was I was um, not just blindly accepting what she said. I was right. I was giving a giving a little bit of a a little bit of something to push against sure. and 
and I didn't I didn't commonly do that, but I, I think I just needed to at the time. And uh, and then later on that night, I had an experience with a, a spiritual experience of, with a, like an an entity of some form leaning over me, trying to strangle me. Again, it was more masculine. Uh, that energy was was quite aggressive and 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 had its hands coming over my my throat. And so I I sort of you know woke thrashing my arms to try and get them off me and then I, I turned the light on and, I, and there was nothing there of course and yes. I couldn't see anything so as soon as that happened. That's very frightening. That was frightening so I, um, I promptly white lighted myself told told whatever it was to leave and um, yeah and then I, again I, I fell back to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> And, to be my theme. And then um, next morning, did you make the connection between that event yeah. and your client? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, or maybe even at night. I, okay. Because I, I was. It was perhaps on my mind that I had, I had pushed her a little bit more than than um, others, sure. and uh, that that she she. I was hoping that she wouldn't come back to us another session. Actually. Okay. Yeah. To be perfectly honest, I was I was really hoping that she would uh, move on and um, and not return, and which is which was the case. She okay. didn't come back. Yeah. So, um, but I've had. I mean, I've, in, sleeping in the same bed, I've had another experience of an, an older lady trying to get into the bed beside me. That so was very sweet. She was an older woman. Um, I do have a very old house, so I don't know if she was from from the house originally. The, the, the house is, you know, over a hundred years old. Perhaps, perhaps she was, or perhaps she was just an, another spirit that was there, and she was dressed in in very old fashioned in a very old fashioned nightgown and and you know a cloth a cloth night cap. She was just she was just trying to turn the covers down to get into the bed with me, <laughs> and I said, "Oh no, no, you can't come in here. You can't be here." And, and so, I, Alison, when you say that um, that she was, you know, dressed in this nightgown and this cap, and that she was trying to turn the covers, is this a physical experience? Like, how are you? Is this something that you're seeing play like a dream, or is it? Was there no. really a lady there? Yeah, it it, it didn't feel like a dream okay. to me. It's a different a different experience to a dream. Okay. And um, no, I I felt like she was there. She was there. I mean, I, I dream I dream most nights anyway, so. I, um, you know, I can tell the difference with a dream to to these experiences. Yes. These these are definitely um, there's definitely a different level of consciousness. I'm I'm, mm. I'm partially I'm partially asleep, I guess. I'm I'm or I'm you know I'm not in full sleep. I'm in a in a different stage, of perhaps in an earlier or a later stage of sleep where I'm where it's lighter and my my yeah I don't know and I'm I can obviously I get that experience and I. As far as I know, I can see them. You know, I can right. see this, this. So I could see this woman, and I could see what she was trying to do. Okay. And, uh, but again, I don't hear anything, so I don't have any any audio. It's just visual. Okay. For me. And, so, did she, and there's no scent either. No, no, no scent. scent smell. No scent. Okay. And did she um, take heed to what you were saying and stop trying yeah. to get in? Yep. Yeah, yeah. She just left. She, okay. I don't know where she went. She just disappeared. So, so um, yeah. So you know those sort of things um, okay. have happened. But I mean, also, I mean, I've got obviously got children. They're all adult now. But um, my son said, who is is a complete non-believer in 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 the spiritual world at all. Right. And he's a he's a very logical, uh, literal young man. He came flying out of his bedroom one one afternoon, and to say, did you see that? Uh, he'd had a he'd, he'd seen a, a, a young girl oh. in his like moved past in his room 
it frightened him, so he ran out and we were talking about it and I said, well, did you talk to her? Did you ask her, like, what was she, who was she, what did she want? And he goes, no, of course I didn't talk to her. Like, geez, Mum. It's like I was being quite matter-of-fact with it. You know, yeah. That might have been a good opportunity. It was broad daylight, you know, and you could have, maybe you should have asked her what she wanted, you know. So maybe he's inherited your expanded awareness. He might have. He yeah. doesn't know about it. Yes, <laughs> well, he's gotten a hint. <laughs> he's, been, he's been told a little bit, but, yeah. So anyway, oh. so those are some of the experiences that I've, that I've had over the years. And how do you reflect on those experiences and what they add to your life? Hmm. I think they give, the, they add a richness, definitely mm. a richness to my life and another dimension mm-hmm. um, and an, um, a sense of um, assur- reassurance, I guess, mm-hmm. that um, that the life, isn't isn't just a you know a birth and a, and a death it's a, a continuum a mm. process of, of uh, like a journey and um, so that's reassuring and I find it yeah look I, I'm, I'm still not really sure why I don't really quite understand why I see what I see or or have the experiences I do I would probably like to know more about that but they certainly have enhanced my life and my experiences of, of this life and um uh, yeah, and I'm grateful for them. Uh, I do. I do have to be uh, still cautious about who I speak to. You know, that that's been a lifetime of, of not saying anything to people. Do you mean Just that professionally, or definitely professionally? Yeah. But even even personally, like um, amongst peers, amongst friends. Yeah. I um I you know there's a stigma attached to you know seeing seeing spirits or um, being a spirit sister, if you like. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, the same as there was a stigma attached to being a herbalist and doing alternative medicine. Yes, you know, there's there's often been a stigma around um, my life, around around aspects of my life that I really uh, have a lot of passion for and, and enjoy. But you know, I find people every now and then. I come across people who I feel like I might be able to um, share something with, and yeah, and we we go from there. And I'm usually right, actually. I I'm very rarely. Very rarely do I start up a conversation with someone who isn't open to it. Okay. So, so I have a pretty good radar. To go back to where we began with your profession as a psychologist, how do you think you know what? How do you think you you are incorporating this facet of your life into your work? As you as you touched on, it is a tricky area, and you have to tread carefully. But the benefits. Obviously, you really believe in the benefits of incorporating an understanding of the spirit. So, how do you tread that line? Well, I, I guess, I guess I, I can, um, you know, you can use words cleverly in therapy. Okay. And you can, uh, you, you can ask people questions, and you can challenge people on, on in a way that um, doesn't reveal. I guess my my own beliefs okay. or my own understanding, and and so I, I can I can walk that line without without really revealing that that's where I'm coming from, and I just encourage people themselves to talk about whatever they need to talk about. So if they start to um, to have that conversation, then I will uh, encourage that uh, for them and and see if they can um, they can use that to their their advantage to benefit from them, you know, to learn something. From their experiences 
you know, in terms of, you know, things like note writing and, and you know, you have to write up your notes when you finish a session. I would never, I would never put it in writing mm. that, um, that I've had that sort of conversation with the person. Um, mm. I would talk very generally about, um, you know, strategies used and it, it, it's quite possible to do that and still not, not tread on any toes from, in the scientific world. But, but as I said, my, uh, you know, I, I'm a qualified Gestalt therapist, so, mm. and Gestalt would actively um, honour that. And so, I, in that in that realm, I can, I can do that, and I can, I can, dive into that area. Yeah. yeah. So it's, um, it would seem, listening to you, that that's a little sad that that you know, the the, the world of psychology hasn't progressed far enough. To the point where we can, or a psychologist can actually mention, you know, a, a banned word, spirit, for example, in, in your right. notes, you know, like we still seem to have such a long way to go. We do have a long way to go. And it's funny because, you know, psychology is the study of the psyche. Yes. Which originally meant the soul, you yes, know. Yes, <laughs> yes. So it's, um, yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a strange, uh, you know, it's a strange profession to some extent. But I, but I, I would... No, um, I wouldn't be surprised if there were a quite a lot number of psychologists out there who, who um, were quite in favour of talking uh, spiritually and holistically mm. to their to their clients. Well, that's you know? that's something you know to be grateful for, I think, um, because it would just seem you mentioned anxiety earlier on, and we do seem to be in the midst of an absolute epidemic of anxiety and depression. Um, yes. how, how do you think, you know, hypothetically speaking, somebody with anxiety could potentially benefit from, from looking at the, the role that the spirit plays in their life? How could that help? Yeah, um, I guess the real, challenge, the real challenge for anxiety is, is more around uh, acknowledging that you're not in control and that that's okay. There's, there's two parts of that. Yep. Firstly, accepting that you're not in control, pretty much of everything, anything. So, so we aren't in control of things, even though we believe we might be, but we, we aren't actually in control of anything other than maybe consciously breathing. And, and so even then we don't have to do that consciously. We can, <laughs> that just happens. So, um, so really uh, we're not in control of, of anything. So accepting, firstly accepting that you're not in control and the, the second element of that is being at peace with that, being okay with that. If the person can, can do that and be at, the, at that level, then they can accept um, messages and, and learnings from, um, from the spiritual aspects of their life. Yes. You know, and that can, that can then give them further reassurance that, that all is okay. There isn't a, a need to worry. There, that, that things will pan out the way they're probably meant to pan out and uh you trying to grab onto your small little aspect of control is is futile you know and so you know sit back and enjoy the ride you know it's mm. uh, it, it can be a whole lot of fun but, you know make the most of it you know have have fun laugh enjoy enjoy the human experience yeah and um you know learn what you can can this time around and you know hopefully share that wisdom with someone else so that they can enjoy that as well and um, yeah Oh, that's, uh, I just love that. I love that. And as you're talking, I think of, you know, programs like the classic 12-step program, Alcoholics Anonymous or anything like that. I, you would know this, Alison, I'm sure, whether it's the first step or the second step is relinquish to a higher power. So it's that idea of relinquishing control. And it's a higher power however you, you 
exactly. consider that thing to be whatever you consider it to be. So, but it's again just that idea of surrendering control. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And that takes a fair bit of courage. Yeah. So, so you do need you do need to have the courage or the desperation, perhaps. But yes, but I, yes. I, I, it requires a fair amount of courage to yeah. you know to to let go to step you know in Gestalt terms we say step into the void step into the void and allow yourself to be there wholly and and completely and um, you will find that you don't get hurt you you don't fall you <laughs> you um you are okay but mm. it takes courage to take that step and as you say that i think of um the very famous quote by um the christian mystic julian of norwich uh, who had these incredible visions of, of you know an afterlife and she said that she was told all shall be well and all shall be well and all manner of things shall be well. And that's kind of the summary of her, of her visions, if you like. And yeah. it's, also, it's also very usually the um, message that our late loved ones will return with when, you know, they come back in dreams or in, in mystical experiences. They'll just say, I'm okay. It's okay. And it seems yeah. like such a humble, you know, proposition, but you know, that is, it's also at the same time very profound and if we can only just gra grasp it, you know. That's right, that's right. And and if you can grasp it, then you'll be anxiety-free. Ah, and isn't that <laughs> you know? a wonderful note to end on, you know. Oh, well, Alison, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure to speak with you. Thank you. Thank you very much for sharing your insights with us, your expertise. It's been fascinating to get your perspective, not only as a spirit sister, but as a psychologist you know and the yeah. way you're melding both those worlds is um i think it's it's very heartening so uh yeah thank you very much for your time today with us okay thank you very much karina thanks for the opportunity okay well thank you bye-bye all right bye-bye thank you for listening to spirit sisters the podcast based on my best-selling book of the same name i really hope you enjoyed this episode and will join me again next time for another intriguing conversation exploring mysteries and marvels in the meantime please subscribe so that you won't miss an episode i also welcome your feedback so please message me through my website karinamachado.com or find me on facebook at Karina Machado Author. perhaps you have your own encounter to share if so i'd love to hear it after all there's nothing more powerful than a story Thank you.